This is Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda. I'm Johnny Hart, and you're listening to the Market Insights Market Pulse podcast. Let's join Trader Nick and Oanda Senior Market Analyst Craig Earlham. Of course, it is the first Friday of the month, and that can only mean one thing, and that's non-farm payroll day. And uh, Nick, the figures above expectations. The figures above expectations, and uh, you mentioned the turn of a new month here. We just entered into uh, September, and the dollar is kicking off strong. We just broke actually uh, out of consolidation that we've been in for a while. I've got the dollar chart pulled up and we are knocking on the door on the dollar index at 104. And what's interesting about this is that, uh, you know, the, the jobs numbers came out here today. Uh, employment change was was better than ex- or, or more than expected, uh, despite, you know, unemployment rate ticking up to 3.8%, which uh, initially put a little bit of, um, you know, a little bit of a, a, a threw a wrench in the numbers uh, today. But despite that, the dollar has rallied substantially uh, as we were kicking off the podcast here. Um, what I think is kind of interesting is that seasonally, the dollar index, uh, you know, one thing I will say as we enter into the month of September, it is if you look at seasonality wise, uh, historically, a strong month of the year for the dollar. Uh, it is also a weak month of the year for equities. And so as we enter into this month, will that be you know, a cause for a drop? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, but what we do see here is that the jobs numbers came out Uh, Like I said, uh, and it does seem clear that the dollar uh, bulls are kind of in full swing here today. We had some PMI numbers that may have added a little bit to that, but the core story here today is, of course, uh, the employment change figures, which, just to recap them, 187,000 jobs compared to the forecast at 169,000. This is up from the previous 157,000 that we saw in the previous go around. The reason this matters so much is that when it comes to the labor market, uh, the Fed has been very, very, you know, um, uh, very, very hyper fixated on the labor market continuing to cool in order to te- keep that inflation story moving in the right direction, right? As, as you know, is well known, uh, jobs and, and lots of people getting raises and new jobs that causes to a degree uh, inflation and shelter and spending and vacationing, all that sort of thing, which the Fed is hoping to dial back to get the inflation story under control. At least uh, from what I see here today, the dollar index up uh, is probably mostly due to the surprise uh, tick up in jobs compared to forecasts. Craig, what do you think about all this? In terms of seasonal strength for the dollar index seems to be kicking off strong. Uh, dollar also rallying, of course, on the, the figures here. What's your what's your take on all that? I think the market reaction is quite bizarre, to be quite honest with you. I mean, we, we've seen always on jobs report day, right, that we see a lot of movement in these... Uh, in 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 the markets and the initial reaction doesn't always match the reaction once the dust settles but i think today is borderline inexplicable in terms of what we're seeing the the fact remains that this is an incredibly strong jobs report taken on taken on the strength of the headline nfp you could say well that's actually a bit higher than expected as you've already alluded to but just the downward revision to the previous month alone of 30,000 more than offsets the beat that we saw on the headline number. When you take all of the recent revisions into consideration as well, that actually came in at around 100,000, 110,000 net revision down. So this is a really positive move on that sense. Then you add into that the average hourly earnings, 0.2% down from 0.4%. Now, this is a one-off figure. Like, I mean, if we, if we don't see this repeated, then it's just a, a blip 
uh, a positive blip, but a blip nonetheless. But if we can see this repeated for a few months, that's very much in line with the Fed's idea of, uh, of consistent and um, sustainable wage growth in line with their 2% inflation goal. And it was lower than expected as well. So I think that's a really positive figure. Finally, unemployment, 3.8% up from 3.5%. That's a big leap in the right direction as far as the Fed's concerned and interest rate expectations are concerned. Participation was up by 0.2% as well. So an increase in the labour market, a big increase in the size of the labour market at a time when what we talked about on Wednesday, the job openings numbers is coming down. The, the ratios that we're talking about here are really significant, especially if they can be repeated. So I, I'm, I'm almost inclined to view the initial reaction of a softer dollar and US yields declining as being more reflective of how we should be reacting to this jobs report. Maybe when the dust settles, we'll see more of that. Maybe there is kind of that seasonal element that you are talking about. But, um, and you know, I mean, since just before we've recorded here, we've got the ISM manufacturing PMI, which has come out a little bit stronger than expected. But I mean, what, what's manufacturing? 10% of the US economy. I think we can, uh, I know ISM numbers do tend to carry more weight, but I don't think it undermines that jobs report. I'll be really interested to see how we end the week here, how we start the next week as being a reflection of this jobs report. Because for me, I look at this and I think this, as far as the Fed's concerned, I mean, they've had the utopia of jobs data this week. They've had lower job availability. They've had more participation, lower wages, lower jobs growth and negative revisions to jobs. I mean, what more could they have possibly hoped for? Yeah, I think in terms of just what we got, that's a it's a really good point there is the total week in review has been probably a home run hit for for what the Fed is looking for in order to kind of accomplish their their agenda, right? They they know how important it is. Uh, jobs play a major component to whether or not their inflation narrative that they want to kind of happen to get back down to that 2%. They know how important jobs are. You know, job openings, we talked about this earlier in the week, were, were surprisingly important this week. Uh, it showed some some cooling there. And as you just alluded to, you know, that 3.8% figure can be confusing uh, to a lot of people in the audience. You know, I know a very common question that I hear from people is, how can there be more jobs created than expected, and yet unemployment rate, the percentage of people unemployed has actually ticked up by, like you mentioned, a pretty substantial leap. And and I think you made a good point. I just want to reiterate it to the people in the audience. That jump in from 3.5 to 3.8 is due to be the large participation increase, more people out there trying to get jobs. Uh, you know, if you take it as kind of a proportion, which is, of course, what a percentage is, that makes a lot more sense. So if you think about that for, for listeners, uh, that tick up shows there was sort of that increase in participation. Uh, in in the in the labor world, right? People actively searching for jobs, and I also do think you know tying that in with what we talked about earlier, jolts earlier this week uh, is a very interesting kind of uh, uh, change in pace. And and like I said, probably uh, reducing some of the the tension in the room for the Fed as they are looking at this and they're like, you know, the only way to really get inflation under control, the only way for a soft landing to even be possible is for the labor market to cool, not crash, but just cool down. You know, obviously. They don't want the hard landing, which would be massive unemployment spikes. They just want to see uh, things kind of regulate to a point where there won't be some, you know, melt up in prices that causes some some seriously long lasting. And I know we talked about this earlier in the week. You know, the idea here with this this soft landing is they want the economy. Yes, they're they're short term willing to accept you know a slowdown in labor in order to longer term uh, create a more stable environment after all of this 2020 
you know, operations. I mean, a lot of people love to just kind of rant on how incompetent central banks are and that sort of thing. And honestly, I, I don't really fall in that camp. I think all things considered, they've done a reasonable job uh, in the position that they were handed, how, you know, difficult of, of you know, post-2020 all this has been. And, um, you know, just one thing I mentioned just before we jumped on the podcast was the VIX. And the VIX is coming down to levels that we have not seen since pre-COVID. And, and that by itself is kind of an indicator in terms of market fees and volatility at, I think, where we are at um, in terms of just volatility and fear in the world of, of markets. And memories are short, aren't they, guys? Because we did go through a tumultuous period in 2020 and 2021 because of COVID. And as Nick has just said, markets have recovered fairly well, all things considering, and central banks haven't done as badly as some commentators and journalists have suggested. Uh, one other question on this uh, for you both. In terms of the next meeting over any potential rate rise, have we learned anything today, do you think? Or, or, or is the picture a bit too fuzzy? I don't think this has impacted what we can expect of the next meeting. I mean, in the note that I sent out shortly after the release, I mean, I think basically all I've said is this kills the debate. And there wasn't, it wasn't going to be much of a debate. I think in September, it was all likelihood. I think even before the release, it was like 90% chance of a, a pause at the meeting as far as markets were concerned. That's gone up to about 93% now in the markets. So I don't think it's changed the outcome of that meeting. What we did see in the aftermath of that, and once we see things settle down, as I said earlier, maybe we'll see a broader reflection of that. Prior to the jolts number at the start of the week, the first rate cut was, scared, was priced into the markets for August after the jolts number that was brought forward to July and immediately after the jobs report today that was brought forward to June. This is where we're going to see more of a sliding scale now. It's not about where rates are going to peak and when and how. It's about when rates are going to start falling again and that's where the sliding scale is going to start again and that's where we're start, going to start to see bigger implications for these. If we see two or three more jobs reports like this towards the end of the year, don't be surprised if the first rate cut is priced in for early second quarter again by that point because inflation can suddenly come down to a much more sustainable level in the immediate term and come down to Below sustainable levels in the uh, in the in, in over the course of like the kind of forecast horizon, which could get central banks cutting back to a uh, to um, more stable levels. Um, obviously, they always talk about are we being supportive for the economy at this point? In which case, the interest rate is below the neutral rate, or are we being constrictive in order to try and get inflation down? Which is what in central banks have currently done. So at some point, they're going to decide that actually inflation is falling back to sustainable levels and over the medium term they're actually putting downward pressure so they're going to be undershooting their inflation targets they need to cut rates in order to ensure that their medium term targets are being met uh, and get at least back to neutral so we could even see central banks cutting interest rates before inflation even falls to two percent I want to add to that just as well in terms of uh, central banks. You know, I, I've made this point many times on the podcast. They are generally poised to be a little bit defensive in their narrative. So they're not, and, and Craig have, and I have hammered this home several times, but they are not willing to kind of admit when they see success. They're, they're very hesitant to let out good news because of the position that they're in. They have to play defense all the time. Um, so to add to, Craig, your point there about uh, central banks, uh, don't be surprised if they start to cut. It will be sudden. It would be. It will not be kind of like pre-disclosed that it's coming down the pipeline. And there's other things to think about. There are still recession indicators flagging. So if, if there's progress being made behind closed doors, they may you know make the decision to um, to change the course of of. 
Fed monetary policy, but they're not going to signal it beforehand. They're going to make that decision. You know, they're going to look at the things that are that are going well, and if they're going well enough, uh, they may choose to to act differently. The other thing that we've mentioned a couple times and um, is worth, in my opinion, noting is also you know the Chinese slowdown, right? Like just as kind of a backdrop, it's like you know you're seeing other places where they're cutting rates, they're seeing you know the opposite problems uh, occurring. Those things could uh, could come our other way. So there may be a little bit of fear if like there's too many recession indicators potentially uh, popping up. Those interest rate cuts could come sooner than expected, and I know that would offer a lot of relief to a lot of businesses, homeowners, things like that. Um, uh, but it will be interesting to see. I mean, I, I think it's not necessarily on the horizon. There's still plenty of work to be done. Uh, but I do think that in terms of uh, when rate hikes would come, it's going to come when they come. It'll be sudden. It'll be kind of a, a shocker to markets. Usually, there'll be some sort of admission that comes out of nowhere, and then shortly after, decisions will be made. But again, I think that that... that uh, you know, head flagging ahead, you know, as as they've done in the, the hawkish environment where they're like, you know, we're not afraid to raise rates. I think it's the opposite in the other way. It's very slow to admit and then admit when it's time. So um, I don't know, it should be really interesting to see how that forms in the coming meetings. Nick, Craig, thanks very much for joining us today and have great weekends. You too. Thank you, Johnny. You too. Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda.